0: Please take your Bibles again and turn to the Gospel of John in chapter 8. We'll read our text verses again, and then we'll pick up right where we left off. The Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 25, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then, Jesus said, er, Jesus, then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me, The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. What we've seen so far as we've begun our study this week, they're in the Feast of the Tabernacles. There's a lot of ceremonies that involve pointing towards the Millennial Kingdom. Well, I showed you yesterday in Jesus' first claim in chapter 7 and verse 37 When he said, If any man thirst, then let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There was a claim to Messiahship. There was a claim to him being the fountain of life or the water of life to them. We finished up yesterday and we had just read his next claim. In verse number 12 of chapter 8, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There is some more ceremonies right here. I'm going to read to you from some of John Yates' notes again to to share with you some of the the setting that this is in because it, it all comes very powerful as a claim not just on his messiahship but on his deity this is the second i am of christ that he gives so what has happened jesus has returned to the temple on the octave or that eighth day it's a special sabbath the following the day after the feast of tabernacles now the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated God's provision during the 40-year wilderness wanderings. One of the things that they celebrate is the provision of water, commemorated in the outpouring of the water ceremony where Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The second part of this was that they celebrated the provision of supernatural light through the manifest presence of God in the fiery pillar and Shekinah glory of God with the people and in the tabernacle. This supernatural light was commemorated in lighting of the four giant candelabra, or lampstands, which stood in the court of the women and towered 75 feet above the temple grounds on the temple mount. These enormous and ornately decorated representations of the fiery pillar and brilliant Shekinah glory of God in the tabernacle were lit each evening of the seven-day feast. Once lit, these lampstands brilliantly illuminated the entire temple, and it could be seen from any point in Jerusalem. They say special windows magnified the effect, being designed to allow a maximum light to shine out of the temple, all symbolic of the Shekinah dwelling in the temple. Each day after the morning sacrifice and ceremonies, the festive meal, the entire afternoon spent in meditation on the law, in the evening sacrifice, just as darkness fell, the special ceremony of the lighting of the candelabra was held. As hundreds of thousands of worshippers watched, priests ascended on the four ladders to the four golden bowls and filled them with ten gallons of oil, each, and lit the oil-soaked wicks comprised of used priestly garments. As the sky began to glow, a group of torch-bearing Chazadim would dance before the people, and the Levites would begin to play with harps, flutes, cymbals, trumpets, and instruments without number, as the Word of God says. The Levitical choir then began to sing the fifteen degree or ascent psalms, 120 through 134, as they stood on the fifteen steps which led them up from the court of women to the court of men. All this not only looked back to the Shekinah in the past, but also ahead to the future Shekinah presence of God when the Messiah comes to his kingdom. After Jesus' amazing statements following the outpouring of water that previous morning, this ceremony had been held for its final time for this particular year. After this point, they never had these feasts again because the temple was destroyed uh, or at some point after this, the lights have now been extinguished, and the, as the symbols go out, the reality sets in. The Shekinah is not in the temple; it has not been since the departure before the Babylonian captivity, as recorded in Ezekiel. Early next morning, Jesus had arrived and taught the curious crowds He, had ju- he has just convicted the accusers and forgiven the woman taken in adultery. The thousands of worshipers now wait to see what Jesus will do next. Probably looking or pointing to the four giant candelabra standing just a few feet away but now extinguished, Jesus makes his bold declaration, I am the light of the world. Thus, Jesus declares that he is the manifest presence and glory of Jehovah God. He is the one who who inhabited the fiery pillar of the Shekinah glory cloud of God. He is the one who spoke the law from Sinai and the tabernacle. He is the one who called Moses at the burning bush and declared the words, I am that I am. No possible statement could more strongly declare his deity. And at this, we find that the enraged Pharisees accused Jesus of bearing sole and therefore false witness to his claims. The law required two witnesses. Jesus declares that his witness is true, and that his father also bore witness of him, thus providing the necessary two witnesses. Let's go ahead and read that passage just so you can see it as well. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came, and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury, as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. We see all of this. He's, he's making these powerful claims. But there's one more claim we need to notice before we get to the application. Here the Pharisees begin to question him. They're mad at him because of these claims he's been making, but they cannot disprove it. Jesus begins to deal with some of the issues. They, thinking that as being the physical seed of Abraham think they are better than everybody else and think they are automatically in on the kingdom of uh, of God and then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus begins to tell them very clearly that they are of their father, the devil, because of the wicked deeds that they do. They're rejecting the truth is what's going on. And as they begin to talk, they begin saying some things about him. They bring up Abraham because they look at Abraham as being their father. They're very proud of that. And Jesus says this to them. Let me back up just a little bit and read this. They ask him, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? They're still trying to figure out who he is, even though he's told them. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. The Jew Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Make no mistake about it, Jesus' claim was more than just being the Messiah. It was a claim at being deity. It was a claim at being the Shekinah glory of God that it represented. Jesus was literally the exact fulfillment to all that they had been asking for. He was the exact fulfillment of all the typology and and prophetical implications that this feast had. Jesus now looked at them and claims the very title of God that God had used at the burning bush. He is... The I am. They knew what he was saying. They knew he was claiming to be God. And it made them mad. They wanted to kill him. That's the context of this whole chapter. And powerful and awesome as it is. I want to pull a few applications from this. You see, while Jesus made all of these things. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. I find in this passage that he gives us. Several or gives these Pharisees several principles or evidences that he was who he was and that he was sent from God. I believe that the principles that we can find in here, and I'm just giving three of them, there are three of them in this passage that should apply to every Christian's life. I believe that it is the ultimate goal of every Christian to be just like Christ. Without these principles that I'm going to share with you, we're going to be very hard pressed to prove who we are. Those that were around ought to be able to tell that we are Christians. They ought to know that we are come from God. Just like the two apostles, uh, um, when grabbed by the Pharisees right after Jesus had been crucified, they began talking to them. And the Pharisees, it said, they took notice of them that they had been with God. Or had been with Jesus, maybe is how it says it. People ought to be able to see some differences in our life, but without these principles in our lives, without these identifying marks, you're going to be hard-pressed to prove that you're a Christian. I'm going to share with you these principles. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and then the next couple of days we're going to deal with these. Number one, Jesus looked to give God his Father all the glory. Jesus loved God's word above all else. And Jesus lived to please God alone. Three principles, but very, very important principles. Preaching these is easy. Applying these is hard. But I believe every single one of these ought to be found in our life. Now remember the backdrop of this. Jesus is God. We know Jesus was the God-man. God manifest in the flesh. And if Jesus Christ had these evidences in our life, in his life and needed them and used them, I believe with all my heart that this ought to be some identifying marks in our hearts as Christians. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.